May it please the listeners, my name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. Today, we are having the second part of an episode that we started on May 5th about the CARES Act, and specifically PPP loans. I'm joined by my colleague, Eli Rudolph. How are you doing today, Eli? Doing well, Rich. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks for being here. So we're recording this on October 26th, and we're checking in with the status of these PPP loans that were issued as relief for small businesses in connection with the COVID-19 pandemic. Eli, remind us the sort of background of the PPP program. Sure. The, The PPP, or the Paycheck Protection Program, was intended to allow small businesses, which they define as businesses with 500 or fewer employees, to obtain loans that, if used for specified purposes, will be fully forgiven. The cap for each loan is two and a half times the average monthly payroll with a $10 million total cap. Okay. So these are so these are our sort of small business loans up to a ceiling of ten million dollars. Correct. And what were the guidelines for forgiveness of these loans? But by let's just stop for a second. By forgiveness, we mean the hope is you won't have to pay back the loan, right? Correct. If you use it for the specified purposes, um, namely payroll and then certain eligible non-payroll expenses, such as rent, uh, utilities, then you could then apply to have it forgiven. One thing to note is it's not automatically forgiven, at least not yet. You have to actually submit an application. Okay. We'll talk about how you do that. What's the status of the PPP loan program right now? Can I still get a loan? No. So initially it was open through, I don't recall what date, but it was extended through August 8th. As of August 8th, there was about $134 billion of appropriated funds left over. But if you haven't received a PPP loan as of August 8th, you're no longer eligible to do so. When you say $134 billion of appropriated funds, you mean appropriated by Congress? Correct. So there was about $659 billion that was appropriated to be used by uh, lenders for the, uh, the PPP. And there is discussion about potential legislation to allow certain employers a second bite at the apple, either those with 100 and fewer employees or those that were especially hit hard by the pandemic, such as uh, the restaurant and hospitality industry. But as of yet, nothing has been passed. Right. And I think, I think we don't expect that to happen until after this election is determined. Is that fair to say? Uh, that is probably the most likely result. Okay. So let's say you have one of the PPP loans is the forgiveness automatic? No. So this is a loan that is eligible for forgiveness, but in order to be forgiven, you A, have to use it for the specified purposes, which is at least 60% of the funds have to be used for payroll expenses. 
and up to 40% can be used for non-payroll expenses, such as rent or mortgage interest and utilities. Once you've used your funds, you have up to 24 weeks to do so. You then have to submit an application to your lender. All right. And how many of these loans have been issued? Uh, Over 5 million loans. Okay. So are all 5 million borrowers really going to submit applications for forgiveness? That sounds like a sort of administrative nightmare. Well, yes. So the the hope is that Congress will permit certain loans to be automatically forgiven. The number that's being bandied about is $150,000, that any loan under that amount would be automatically forgiven without having to submit an application. That would cover about 85% of all the loans. You know, the average loan size was just a little over $100,000. So if you automatically forgive everything 150000 or less, that would greatly reduce the burden. Are people able to submit their forgiveness applications right now? It all depends on the lender. The last I read, the SBA started taking applications for forgiveness. So the process is you have to submit it to your lender who will then submit it to the SBA. And the SBA opened up their portal um, maybe about a month or so ago and so far has processed just under 100000 but has not actually paid out or uh, forgiven any of these loans. Right. By payout, you mean... Ultimately, what would happen is the SBA would pay back the loan to the lender? To the lender, correct. Right. Okay. So, assuming that the lender is accepting applications, what does that look like? What do you have to file and put in? So, the SBA has put out three forms of forgiveness applications, which vary greatly in terms of complexity. The first one, which was released earlier this month, is the simplest one. It's the Form 3508S, and it's strictly for borrowers who received PPP loans of no more than $50,000 each individual loan, and together with affiliates, received no more than $2 million in PPP loans. It's a one-page application that just requires basic information, the loan amount, the borrower's name. Very simple. Okay. And there's a decent chance that those $50,000 borrowers are going to end up not even having to put in an application, right? That is the hope. Um, like I said, there's, there's been requests and, and there's been a push, certainly by the lenders, to have these automatically forgiven because at the end of the day, the lender is the first in line to have to process And, you know, like you said, over 5 million loans is a real administrative burden. Okay. What's the next level form? So the next form is the 3508EZ. It's a shorter form than the the standard one. And it's only meant for borrowers that meet certain criteria, such as uh, self-employed or independent contractors. But most of those would likely be able to make use of the Form 3508S, the shorter form one page. And in order to be eligible, the borrower 
has to meet certain criteria, such as they didn't reduce the annual salary of uh, their employees who make $100,000 or less by more than 25%. And the standard form, which is just the 3508, that is a show your work kind of application? Correct. So if you reduced your, uh, the salaries by 25% or more, or if you reduced headcount, then there is a worksheet that needs to be attached. Okay. And in addition to the worksheet, if you submit a 3508 or 3508EZ, do you need to put in supporting documentation? Yeah. So you have to show the payroll information. And the easiest way to do that is if you use ADP, paychecks, or a third-party service. Most of them are fairly adept at getting you the information you need. And the PPP regulations said that if you submit that with your loan forgiveness application, the bank is allowed to rely on it without really doing much additional digging around. And then you also need to include payroll tax filings, as well as all the information for your non-payroll expenses, such as cancel checks for utilities and for uh, rent or mortgage interest. Right. And fundamentally, what's happening here is the application process is testing whether or not you used these loan proceeds on payroll and other legitimate expenses, right? Correct. Uh, But one thing to note is that although the SBA has put these forms out, they've also said that lenders are allowed to use their own forms. So before you start the process of filling out the Form 3508, definitely speak with your lender to see if they have their own. A lot of the lenders, like we said, aren't even accepting applications to begin with. And then the ones that are, some of them have their own that allow you to put the information directly in in their portal and upload the documentation. All right. So I could understand that a lot of businesses will be eager to, to know with a f- finality whether or not their PPP loan is going to be forgiven, but it sounds like we may not be sufficiently at the end of that process. That's correct. And I think what we've learned from the PPP application process to get the loan is the first in line is not necessarily the best way to do this. For example, initially when the PPP came out, it was for the monies were supposed to be used within eight weeks and at least 75% had to be used for payroll. Then a couple of months later, the PPP Flexibility Act came out and it said that the money could be used for up to 24 weeks. And only at least 60% of the funds had to be used for payroll. So anybody that received funds early on was sort of, you know, they didn't get the benefit of a lot of these changes. So that's why A, the banks are waiting and B, a lot of the borrowers, notwithstanding the desire to, like you said, get some finality, is this going to be forgiven? Is it all going to be forgiven, partially forgiven? Um, There is some benefit to waiting to see what happens, especially given the election season and, you know, 
who knows what happens during the election that may substantially change the course of the PPP regulations. Well, the the election season, of course, we have a highly contentious election happening uh, in a week. And and then, of course, you have the covid crisis itself with numbers that are going up across the country and may lead, I would think, to more cries for relief, especially if small businesses are either closing down again or remaining closed through the winter. A hundred percent. I think uh, a lot of the small businesses that either took the loans um, and used the funds and uh, they see themselves in a similar position as when the pandemic began are hoping that there will be additional relief. And then there are certainly some businesses that weren't able or chose not to avail themselves of the PPP to begin with. And now we're hoping maybe it'll be opened up for them to be able to get some funding. Now, if you do have a lender who's accepting applications and you said, Eli, that the SBA is taking the applications from the lenders, how long would that process take to find out if your loan's going to be forgiven? So the initial regulation said that the lender had 60 days to let the borrower know whether they'd be forgiven either all in part or not at all. Later, this was clarified to say that the lender had 60 days to let the SBA know what their decision was. And then the SBA has an additional 90 days. So it could be up to five months from the time you fully submit your application until you receive a response. All right. Understood. The process is not quick. No. Eli, you've been with us before, but just to remind our audience, what does your practice entail? Sure. I do corporate and securities work. So anything from forming an entity all the way through exit, whether that's an IPO, uh, a sale, um, and everything in between, just commercial contracts and sort of outside general counsel, whatever a company might need in terms of guidance, whether it's funding or just review of commercial contracts. Awesome. Now, we're going to do a closing argument, which we do at the end of our episode, but I'm going to preface it by saying we're not really closing. Uh, We continue, you know, Eli and I are both members of our firm's COVID-19 response team. We've been monitoring the legal implications of the pandemic from the outset. We put out relevant information on our website from time to time and in legal releases And we're going to be back on this podcast feed with further information as we expect this program and possibly others to be sorted out in the months ahead. Right, Eli? That's correct. Like I said, there's going to be significant changes, whether it's the automatic forgiveness. I know we're still waiting to find out how the forgiveness will be treated from a tax perspective. Is it going to be considered ordinary income? meaning you'll have a tax hit, or will it be sort of a special exemption so you won't owe taxes on the amounts that are forgiven? So there's still a lot. I think maybe our closing argument for today is stay tuned. If you have one of these loans, stay in close contact with your lender, 
which will be your first source of information as to how forgiveness of that loan is going to be handled. And then more generally, stay tuned to developments to see if there's broader loan forgiveness uh, presumptively granted and or if additional loans are made available. That's correct. I think that's a great um, closing statement for all of our listeners. Very good. So Eli, thanks for coming back. I think we'll be hearing more from you in the months ahead, but thank you very much. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you again. Thanks, everybody. Take care. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief. Law Brief.